podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Zero Pucks Given, the UK ice hockey podcast. I'm Ben and we are back for this episode, obviously, after having a week off last week. So we're not going to be sort of plugging any charities or any sort of sponsors that we have this week. We're just going to make it about the episode, about the game and, of course, about Adam Johnson. Um, this is episode 51. So after missing last week, after the tragic events in Sheffield, where Nottingham Panthers forward Adam Johnson passed away after suffering a fatal injury from an accidental on-ice collision. For myself, not only as an ice hockey fan, as an ice hockey podcaster, but just as a human being, my thoughts are with Adam Johnson's family, his friends, his teammates, Matt Petgrave, the Sheffield Steelers, and the entire Nottingham Panthers organisation. I cannot begin to fathom what those players, officials and fans, and the medical staff, of course, in the arena, experienced that evening and as i've said previously if anyone wishes to talk and they're struggling with what they experienced or dealing with the aftermath i'm by no means a licensed professional but always a willing pair of ears after this tragedy the hockey family has united and as a result i put together a little tribute video to adam johnson where i've been joined by some of the fans from the teams of the britain division and i cannot thank them enough for partaking We stood and applauded as the teams entered the rink. And again when the puck was dropped. We shouted at the referee at each penalty missed. And for review, a goal was stopped. We roared when we won the league. We chanted to support our team. We celebrated every goal and each one that could have been. We've gone from behind to beat them all. We've given easy wins away. Win, lose or draw, we've all been there to see them play. We've heckled past players, called them a traitor to the teal. We've had rival teams we love to beat. The passion has always been real. But today we stand as one, in silence and respect, at the loss of a young life, and for all those his death will affect. It matters not they did not wear our colours, or that it was not our game. He didn't play for our team but his family just the same. Because the love for the game, which we all share, runs deeper than any of our scores. It's never truly mattered whether our team is different to yours. What matters is that we all feel the rush, the dedication and the pride. That no matter the colours we wear, we are all the same inside. So today and always, we will remember Nottingham's number 47. Rest easy now, Johnson, with all the hockey players up in heaven. So today and always, we will remember Nottingham's number 47. Rest easy now, Johnson, with all the hockey players up in heaven. So today and always, we will remember Nottingham's number 47. Rest easy now, Johnson, with all the hockey players up in heaven. 
So today and always we will remember Nottingham's number 47. Rest easy now, Johnson, with all the hockey players up in heaven. So today and always we will remember Nottingham's number 47. Rest easy now, Adam Johnson, with all the hockey players up in heaven. And so today and always we'll remember Nottingham's number 47. Sleep well, Adam Johnson, with all the hockey players up in heaven. latest news in the NIHL and beyond after that tragedy is the neck protection being made mandatory across the NIHL from January 1st and it's strongly recommended up till that date. Shane Moore and the Oxford City Stars as well as being the first to rightly postpone last Sunday's game were the first to mandate all players across their organisation to wear neck protection so props to them for that. It's just been an incredibly difficult week I think for everybody in the sport, players, fans, officials alike something that obviously you don't expect to happen, despite the fact we know it's a dangerous sport, we know there's dangerous elements to it. Um, and hopefully now with these protocols, we will never see it happen again, which uh, I do actually go with our friends over at Thorhausen and Counting. I, I encourage that to be introduced as Adam's Law or Johnson's Law, that all the players now should be wearing neck protection. We did have an incident uh, Sunday night at Chelmsford, actually, where Damon Porter received a cut to, between the eyes. I didn't quite see if it was a skate or a stick. But it's just a stark reminder that, you know, these these big, fast, powerful guys, they do have incredibly sharp blades on their feet and stuff like this can happen. Um, as I said earlier, and as I said at the end of the, the tribute video there on, on the credits, we stand with Matt Petgrave. We, we know it was an entirely accidental incident. We do not condone anybody saying otherwise. So anything that we've ever seen on social media since then that is stating otherwise, we have blocked and we've reported because... This isn't football. We don't accept that sort of behaviour in hockey. And the the fans have all pulled together like a family. And hopefully anyone from Nottingham and Sheffield, you can feel that we're, that we're all with you and that we're going to help you get through this as much as you can. I know some of the other elite league teams have offered, you know, your fans to come to their games to sort of ease yourself back in to watching it. I think an idea, Sheffield have kind of stated that they, they need your, their fans more than ever this week. I agree with some of the stuff I've seen on social media, actually, that, you know, don't go if you're not ready. Um, I think I understand everyone will want to support their team. But I, as I said earlier, I cannot fathom what you witnessed that evening. So if you're not ready to go back, then then don't. But by all means, you know, still support your team and support your friends and support your family through what is going to be an undoubtedly difficult time. And Adam Johnson's memory will live long, not just in hockey fans, not just in sporting fans, but this has spread across the world um, and it became almost unfortunate. You know, I, I would almost love everybody on a Monday to ask me about ice hockey and how it went, but not just because that happened. So it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's not a, not a nice week, but hopefully, as we said, from, from the tragedy, the neck protection being brought in means that we won't see it happen again. And we will all stand together as a family of hockey fans and remember Adam Johnson for the rest of our lives. So sleep well 47. It was a pleasure. 
Right, so this week's episode then, we uh, we have a rundown of the scores from the games that did take place last week. We have the match reports and exclusive coaches' thoughts from this weekend, and we also have a guest. Uh, we are joined by the Invicta Dynamo's captain, Harrison Lillis. The start of the season saw Harrison receive the C and overtake Anthony Leone as the most capped Dynamo's player, which is an incredible achievement. So we're going to discuss his career, his DJing, He's become a dad recently as well, uh, and his role as a pantomime villain in hockey and everything in between. So so that's coming up a little bit later. We do have uh, DOPS, Department of Player Safety News in the Britain division. Darcy Flanagan's 10-game ban has been reduced to a Tier 1 six-game ban, which he's already served, so he returns this week just gone. Darcy will join me very soon for a special DOPS episode to discuss all of that malarkey, as well as hockey in Australia, living in Oxford with the big American, and everything else in between. In the last week or so, Slough Jets have confirmed that Christian Moore is suspended for a Tier 1 six games for a check from behind, and that's a big miss for the Jets. The Chieftains have also fell foul of a Dops decision. Kieran Rayner will also miss six games for a Tier 1 illegal check to the head. Now, the Dops haven't released footage of those incidents as yet, although I did see the Rayner incident on live stream, which would have been the angle the Dops viewed it from. I'm not sure I can see a check to the head. At the speed it happened, it looks more of a clash of hips and then the bucket flies off, but... As Shane Moore, the Oxford GM, explained in a brilliant interview with our friends over at 4000 and Counting, the appeal process is incredibly expensive, and from their experience with the Flanagan incident, it's taken a lot of time, and quite frankly, the EIHA to be openly and publicly embarrassed as it was virtually overturned. And one would assume they will have some more to do this week with an incident involving Cameron Bartlett, but more about that later. So with the suspension news out of the way, let's get on to the match details from last weekend's fixtures. There were only two games in the Britain division on the Saturday before everyone made the correct decision not to play on the Sunday. They saw a home victory for the Invicta Dynamos over the Oxford City Stars. A well-contested game saw the Moes run out 3-2 victors. The other game was at the Riverside as the Chelmsford Chieftains and the Streatham Redhawks met for the first time this season. And after a fast and hard start by the Chieftains, they ran out 5-3 winners on the night. So to the weekend, just gone then. And we will start on a Saturday night in Gosport, as the Romford Buccaneers headed to the Devil's Cauldron. After a beautiful tribute to Adam Johnson was completed, the puck dropped and the Devils took the early lead through player coach Alex Murray, assisted by captain Alex Cole and Dan Lackey on 41 seconds. That was Alex's 250th career goal and 800th career point, so congratulations to him. They doubled their lead on 102 through Ryan Sutton with assists from Osmond and Peacock. And the visitors seemed to then settle down, but gave their hosts a power play opportunity when Wells got two for high sticks on 6-10, but they killed it off. However, that gave the Devils another chance on 9-01 when Luca Pascali sat for slashing. And in that power play, the Devils pushed it to a three-goal game when Jack Peacock scored on 9-07, assisted by Alex Cole. The visitors had a power play chance when Connor Hutchinson sat for charging on 10-58, but the Devils killed it off. End of the first, 3-0. Into the second, and the Devils took an early penalty when Coleman sat for elbows at 23-22, but the home side killed, and when Coleman was freed, he made it 4-0 on 25-24, assisted by Callum Perella-Fox. A couple of minutes later, Kane Russell got in on the action and made it 5-0, assisted by Coleman and Cole on 28-16. The Devils made the Bucks' night even worse on 30 flats when Callum Perella-Fox scored to make it 6-0. The first half of the game to forget for the Essex side, 
However, the Bucks seemed to arrive in the game, and after an unsuccessful power play finished and both teams were back to five, Tom Wilson got Rumford on the board, assisted by Donald Campbell on 32-26. And on 34 flat, the Bucks made it a four-goal game when the new Buccaneer, Ewan Hill, scored a debut goal assisted by Caps. On 36-03, Harry Clampham was sent to the box for holding, and in the resulting power play, Hill turned provider for his captain, Tom Wilson, to make it 6-3 on 36-52. The Bucks had another chance to pull the game back with a penalty shot, but Shane Moore was shut out by Taylor. Into the third, and the Buccaneers were made to regret the missed penalty as Ryan Sutton assisted Perella Fox on 41-20 to make it 7-3. A couple of minutes later, the Devils pushed further ahead when Liam Coleman scored assisted by Kane Russell on 45-26 for 8-3. On 47-34, Joe Llewellyn took two for holding. In the resulting power play, Tom Wilson netted his hat-trick for 8-4 and 48-49 power play goal. The Devils settled it in the final couple of minutes with Steve Osmond made it 9-4, assisted by Connor Hutchinson, finishing the scoring with a hat-trick goal for Liam Coleman, assisted by Ryan Sutton on 59-35, making it 10-4. Man of the match performances for, from Tom Perella-Fox and Tom Wilson, and all the fans and teams paid a lovely tribute to Adam Johnson. And after the game, Buccaneers head coach Jason Buckman gave me his thoughts. Tough one game weekend for the Buccaneers. Um, down in Solent, going down 10-4. Um, three goals down after the first few minutes. Kind of tells its own story. We were slow out of the blocks after uh, having the weekend off previously. Um, it's never going to be easy in Solent, going down a few goals and that, that size rink trying to trying to find a way back into the game. Um, we did... A little bit in the second period where we scored three goals, um, but the damage was done already. Um, the guys are going to have to work hard this week in training and uh, regroup uh, for Milton Keynes next weekend. Saturday night then saw the return of Darcy Flanagan to the Oxford side as they travelled to the hangar to face the table-topping Slough Jets and the home side took off at a rapid pace and took the lead on just 14 seconds when Smithill assisted Timo Lindgren for 1-0. A couple of minutes later, it was 2-0 when Goodchild and Cathcart assisted Seb Moore on 2:24. Straight after the goal, Lindgren took two for delay of game, and on the resulting power play, the Stars stole back into the game when Abbott and Moody assisted the returning Darcy Flanagan for his first goal for Oxford on 2:43. The early excitement continued after Tom Banner took two for hooking on 7.36 and on the power play, the Slough Jets extended their lead through Ollie Hemmings-Mayer, assisted by Jack Goodchild and Smithel on 8.27. Power play goal. The Jets had another power play chance after Mitchell was punished in the 11th minute, but the Stars held strong. Into the second and the Jets raced off again as Ty Cathcart assisted Ollie Hemmings-Mayer for his second on 21.21. After the goal, Dylan Hullaby got two for a check to the head. We'll have to see what Dops say about that next week. And after the Stars had killed that penalty off, both sides swapped penalties with Bradburn being penalised for Slough, Hullaby and Moody for Oxford. But with both teams at full strength, Dylan Hullaby went unassisted to make it 4-2 on 31-31. The rest of the second and start of the third was littered with penalties for both sides, but it was the home side that got themselves on the score sheet again on 53-12 through Seb Moore, assisted by Goodchild and Rodan for 5-2. A minute later, Carl Bradburn smashed past Czech for 6-2 on 54-54, Apple to Jacob Minter. As the game was winding to a close, Oxford pulled another goal back through Bailey Hind Pitcher on 57-02, but the game was finished off by the home team late when 
Redmond and English assisted Kyle Bradburn for his second on 58-16 to make it 7-4. A hard-fought game at the hangar with Kyle Bradburn and Josh Abbott taking the man of the match at awards, and both teams, of course, paying a beautiful tribute to Adam Johnson. The final game on Saturday saw a rematch of the last home game for last game for the champion Stratton Redhawks, which saw them shut out on home ice by the Invicta Dynamos in a 3-0 victory for the Kent side. After the players circled centre ice whilst Lennon and Painter laid a wreath for Adam Johnson, the game got underway, and after the Dynamos had the better of the pressure in the opening part of the period, it was the home side that took the lead on 8.28, when Skokan swept the puck past Ryder, assisted by JJ Pitchley and Josh Ely Newman. The Moes had a power play chance after Skokan got two for high sticks on 11.02, but couldn't take their chances. The home side doubled their, doubled their advantage after the after Warman found Ben Ely Newman, who swept into the top corner across Owen Ryder on 16-16 for 2-0. The Moes then received a two-minute bench penalty for abuse of officials, and with a one-man advantage, Stretter moved the puck across the offensive zone, and with a blocker in front of the goal, Brittle and Skokan fed Danny Inglesby for a great finish on 17-49. Power play goal, 3-0 up. In the first, exercising the demons of their previous home defeat, the Moes ended the first and started the second on the power play after Callum Burnett got two for holding. After returning to full strength, Stretham's Sam Waller went unassisted to give Stretham a 4 0 lead on 24 13. Between 26 and 30 minutes, both sides had power plays opportunities as Laschek and Benny Lee Newman consecutively sat for tripping, but Stretter made it 5-0 even-handed through JJ Pitchley on 32-25, assisted by Painter. Into the third, and the champions sprinted into the final furlong with a very early goal as Josh Ely Newman made it 6-0 on 4-29, assisted by Waller and Skokan. After the restart, the visitors did pull one back when Saw assisted Laming and Huggett to make it 6-1 on 41-15. The most had power play opportunities, including a, br- a brief five on three, but the Red Hawks' penalty kill line works incredibly hard to kill both. After the penalty, in which the Red Hawks had a power play chance themselves, after Huggett sat on 46-19, and the home side made them pay with a power play goal for Ben Painter, finished well from close range, assisted by Waller and Ben Ely Newman on 48-19. Stokes and Painter decided to drop gloves and head to centre ice, even a fair, and both heads to the box for five on 51-23. The Red Hawks then increased their lead even-handed through Luke Bristle, unassisted on 52-20 for 8-1. And Victor pulled another goal back when Laschek and Springer Hughes assisted Josh Condren on 57-17 for 8-2, and then scored again after Bristle took a late penalty for hooking, Mad Stoon assisting Stano Laschek to make it 8-3 on 59-05 to finish the scoring at the high road. Ryder and Jordan Gregory, Gregory with the beers, Streatham again bouncing back from defeat after their loss at Chelmsford last week. It does mean they've suffered as many league defeats this season as they did in the previous two years combined, but the Red Hawks head to Chelmsford on Sunday night to try and avenge that defeat, just as they did here. To Sunday night, and we will start at the Riverside, where the Streatham Red Hawks, in search of a four-point weekend, headed to face the Chelmsford Chieftains. After a beautifully toned ceremonial tribute to Adam Johnson, the game got underway, and it took a little while for the atmosphere to build up, a different voice in the Chieftains' DJ booth was certainly doing his best to change that. The opening exchanges saw Damon Porter causing all sorts of problems for Streatham, Inglesby and Ely Newman forcing good saves from Jordan Lorday, a new dad any day now. Streatham had a power play chance when Grant Bartlett sat for tripping on 354, 
but it was leveled up quickly as Brittle took two for tripping on 4.12. So we have a shift on four on four, but nothing appertaining. On 8.31, Jordan Gregory took two for tripping. And on that power play, Faye fed the puck to Sasha Maltsev, who squared the puck across the crease, finding Alan Lack to poke past Milton at the second attempt and give the home side the lead on 10.08 power play goal. Almost immediately from the restart, Bulldog and Martin both sat for two for roughing. And on 18.50, a premeditated tilly for Alan Lack and Thomas Skokan saw both sit for five. Lack now in a change of jersey due to blood. Into the second and composed work from Lee Jameson, he's almost a cheat code at this level, found Bartlett on the blue line who neatly fed Ollie Bulldog, who collected, swept back and finished all in one movement for a beautiful goal for 2-0 on 21-14. Grant Bartlett nearly extended the lead further when he dinged the iron and Baldock almost got himself a carbon copy of his goal, but Milton saved well. Cam Bartlett also dinged the iron from the blue line before Streatham got back into the game when player coach Ben Painter smashed home from close range, assisted by Pitchley and Warman on 27-40 for 2-1. A clash behind the Streatham net after a coast-to-coast attempt by Damon Porter saw the Canadian take a stick blade to the face and leave the ice to get glued. The ice staff, including some keen-eyed fans may have noticed Team GB and Romford Buccaneers player Ellie Wakeling, took a good few minutes to clear the blood off the ice as Gemma Pemberton ensured that Porter was okay to continue. As the period drew to a close, Pitchley and Warman went apple-picking again and just before the buzzer, they assisted Josh Ely Newman with a great finish, cutting in from the left circle for 2-2 on 38-14. The third started in an odd fashion as a melee on the boards in the Streatham D zone saw both Bartlett's having a dig at JJ Pitchley. With the referees in full attendance to calm the situation, a sucker punch from Cam Bartlett saw the Chieftains number eight lose his head and his place in the game, and you'd think a hefty ban on top. Grant Bartlett received two for roughing, leaving the Chieftains five on three, which they almost managed to kill, but just before returning to four, Ben Ely Newman and Beasley assisting Sam Waller, who finished under Lorde, to complete the comeback to 3-2. The Chieftains managed to kill the remainder of the major penalty and had a power play chance themselves when Painter got to for slashing on 47-27, but they were unable to capitalise. The game was well and truly done when the Red Hawks won the puck in the Chiefs' defensive zone and as Painter pinned Barnes-Garner in and fed Danny Inglesby, who smashed smartly past Jordan Lorde to make it 4-2. A couple of late penalties for both sides and the Chiefs with an empty net for the final 30 seconds, but 4-2 it stayed. The game thrown away by Chelmsford's lack of discipline in all honesty, but a solid four-point weekend for the reigning champs. After the game, Streatham player coach Ben Painter gave me his views on the weekend and, of course, the tragic events from last weekend in the Elite League. Yeah, I mean, going into this weekend was was difficult, to be honest. Um, just to, to get your head around, obviously, the, the tragic tragic passing of Adam Johnson um, up, in, up in Sheffield is... Uh, it's a funny old thing to sort of sort of get your head round and and process um, as a player, as as a coach, and you know what I mean as a teammate. It's it's quite a it's a hard thing to to get your head round. Um, and yeah, I think we we went into this weekend knowing we had a a, a real big job to do. Um, but also with that in the back of our mind, it was um, it's a it's a funny old situation. Um, but I think I think the the sort of hockey community show has shown that. Do you know what? It doesn't matter who you support or anything like that. Like we all come together and support each other and and things like that. All the rivalries get put to a side for a minute. Um and and yeah, it was 
it was it was good to see how everyone come together to support each other and get each other through the the last week or so. So, I mean, yeah, it's I think every team across the country done sort of a great job at, at the the tributes and and things like that. And it was it was nice to see that sort of people coming together and and really supporting each other. So, yeah, off off the back of that and going into a weekend where you're playing a team two teams that have both taken points off you in recent weeks it's um yeah we we had to get our minds right we had to be up for it and and we we definitely did that i mean i i asked the boys to give me give me a performance um give me give me a performance and and we knew that anything less than four points was wasn't good enough so so yeah we 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 started great going in go play against invicta who who shut us out in our own building a couple of weeks prior um, we go and score eight goals. Um, it, it shows the character we've got. It shows the the bounce back mentality we've got, and and the fact that we we went into that a, a little bit, a little bit annoyed, and a little bit with a bit of a chip on our shoulder that that's not going to happen. We're not we're not standing for that. So it was great to see the, the result, um, the bounce back result, and and really get our feet sort of get our feet going early and making sure we're playing the right way. Um, and yeah, I was I was very pleased with with getting them two points. At home on the Saturday against against Invicta, and then obviously we go into Chelmsford, a place where a week prior I was I wasn't I was not happy. I wasn't ha- wasn't happy after the game. It was unacceptable our performance, and I put a lot of sort of onus on the boys again to 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 answer right back. And I think the first period we weren't our best. Um, we 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 were maybe thought because we had a good performance the night before that it was. Um, wasn't going to be as frantic as it was, but the chances were uh, they're a good team and they came hard. They they came straight at us and we we go we go two down. Which you know what I think I think it, two down wasn't really justified. I think we were definitely in the game for the first period, but I knew we had more. Um, and yeah, two down, but we battled back to to get a four four two win. And I think that just shows our character again to go go into Chelmsford and and score four goals unanswered. Um, and pull it back. That 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 shows the character we've got, shows the experience we've got, and shows that when it really matters, we can we can dial in and and, and get it done. I mean, I don't think we had any passengers all weekend. Everyone was going, everyone was playing well, um, and all the sort of things we wanted to to bring and make sure that our game sort of reflected. Um, we we done. So yeah, all in all, I was, I was very pleased. Um, Big weekend, massive four points, and and hopefully we can have this as a point of our season where we go. This is the bar, and oh, the only way is is up now. So, yeah, very happy. Up to the Oxpens as Oxford City Stars welcomed the Milton Keynes Thunder for the John Cartwright Trophy game, and the game shot off at a frantic pace with the home side taking the lead after just one eighteen when Dylan Hullaby and Josh Abbott assisted Bailey Heim pitcher for one nil. Shortly after, it was two nil when Travis Penny scored, assisted by Danny Williams and Matt Lorde. And on 4.30, it was three when Harding got in on the act, assisted by Abbott. Penny got his second of the night on 9.47 as Harding turned provider along with Lorde for 4.0. MK called time out, but it didn't do the trick as Dylan Hullaby went unassisted on 11.37 to make it 5.0. MK then killed off a penalty when Callum Burr sat for charging on 13.06, but when both teams were at full strength, Danny Williams went unassisted for 6.0 on 15.20. Thunder forced a two-odd man break and Ross Miller pulled out the big guns to keep it at 6-0. After that, Hullaby went charging through and was brought down for a penalty shot. He got up, shook himself down, took it himself and tucked home for 7-0 on 17-12. Into the second and it saw a bit of bite from both sides as Howe cross-checks Hullaby and they go at it. Howe gets five, 
and two, Hullaby five for fighting. A few stoppages after that as MK's Nettie goes down on the play, but the Stars extended their lead further on 35-18 when Chris Cook scored, assisted by Williams and Lorde, both getting their third points of the night, making it 8-0. Cook then dinged the iron from the blue line and Stevens forced a blocker save from Norton, and then Howard McGarvey assisted Tom Dickinson to pull one back for the Thunder on 37-35. The Oxford Socials seemed to miss, uh, miss out a goal before the end of the second, but Travis Penny completed his hat-trick to make it 9-1. A much more even period in the second, but the third saw the Stars start shooting across the sky again as Danny Williams got his second, unassisted on 42-32, making it 10-1. After swapping penalties, Matt Lorde added a history assist with a goal on 54-19 to make it 11-1. Just over a minute later, it was 12 when Cook and Ravenscroft assisted Ollie Harris on 55-31. And as the game was drawing to a close, Travis Penny got his fourth goal of the game on 58-16 to make it 13-1. And that was the final score at the Oxpens. The Stars lift the John Cartwright trophy. Dickinson takes the beers for Thunder. Travis Penny for the Stars. And after the game, Stars coach Simon Anderson gave his thoughts to ZPG. Yeah, sadly, we're obviously on the end of a uh, 7-3 loss in Slough. Um, you know, I thought we were okay for two periods. Um, you know, a well, well-drilled team. Um, you know that what you're getting when you go to Slough, you know, they're fast and They've got good puck support. They're always moving, and uh, you know, real quality, well-coached team. Um, we were in it for two periods. You know, end of the f- end of the second, we were four-two, and you know, we had a five-on-three power play going into that third period. You know, we really needed to score and capitalise on that. Um, unfortunately, we couldn't we couldn't execute, and uh, they go down the other end when they go back to full strength and make it five-two. And it was the first time I think where we've seen the guys just sort of accept defeat. I think we were we were done at five-two then, and we couldn't really get any momentum and get any goals and uh yeah you know we spoke about it we were disappointed that we sort of accepted the defeat and you know we don't want to see that too many times the rest of the rest of the year um but you know we regrouped on uh sunday you know we knew it was a must win game um because of where we are in the table right now and uh you know the boys to be fair they came out flying and you know we were we were seven zero up at the end of the first period. You know, I mean, Milton Keynes were really, really short, um, but you can only play what's in front of you. So, you know, we was really pleased. We we saw a lot of good things, um, stuff we wanted to work on offensively, and um, you know, the message after the first period really was to, just to work on our game for the following week. You know, we've got chance of this week, and um, we need to be bang on it to get anything out of that game. You know, we know how good Chelmsford are, and I think you know when you're seven nil up and you've got like a, a situation where the guys are looking for points tonight. You can sort of have some bad habits creep in and I wanted to try and keep a lid on that as much as I could um, just so that we don't get into bad habits going into next weekend. So uh, no, really happy with the two points and it's a long time coming. The boys uh, regrouped from Saturday night, which was pleasing to see. And uh, yeah, we look forward to Wednesday night at practice now and get ready for Chelmsford. The final game of the weekend saw tabletopping Jets fly down to Kent to face the Invicta Dynamos. All the players and staff and fans impeccably observed the silence and applause for Adam Johnson and as Solovobs drops the puck on what is sure to be a barn burner. The Dynamos took the early lead when Josh Condren and Tom Saw assisted Stano Laszczek on 3.25 for an even-handed goal for 1-0. A couple of minutes later, the visitors equalised through Alex Rosen bagging his first senior goal, assisted by Goodchild and Seb Moore. Just past the halfway point of the first, and Owen Dell gave the home side the lead again, assisted by Huggett for 2-1 on 11.58. A few minutes later, Tom Saw netted past Massey, assisted by Condren for 3-1 on 14.15. 
The Moes extended their lead further on 17.08 when Laschek and Harris assisted Ruskin Springer-Hughes for 4-1, forcing Smithill to withdraw Massey and replace him with McGibbon in the pipes. A minute later and the Jets pulled one back after Hemmings-Mayer assisted Erskine on 18.21 to finish the scoring in a frantic first period. Into the second and a face-off violation by Stano Laschek gave the Jets a power play chance, but it was killed off. The Moes pushed further ahead on 28.06 when Tom Saw scored again, making it 5-2, assisted by Laschek and Condren. A few minutes later, an Owen Dell bagged his brace, assisted by Laming and Huggett, for 6-2 on 32.21. Into the third and an injection of jet fuel saw the Berkshire boys make it a three-goal game when Redman and Bradburn assisted Lewis English on 42.35. And from the restart, Soper and Seb Moore assisted Jack Goodchild for 6-4 on 43.03. The entire crowd observed the minute's applause in the 47th minute, as I believe happened everywhere this weekend, including the football at Nottingham Forest. Well done to all the fans for that. As we moved into the final 10 minutes, another Jack Goodchild goal, assisted by Jacob Minter, made it 6-5 on 50-58. And Victor regrouped and scored again with a Tom Saw hat-trick goal on 52-42, Condren and Lastrick on the assists again. But back came Slough with two of the Holy Trinity combining as Jack Goodchild fed Seb Moore for 7-6 on 55-53. Jangling the nerves around Planet Ice Gillingham, but Ruskin Springer-Hughes settled those with his second of the night on 57-32. Despite some empty net play from Slough, they couldn't respond in what was a cracking game for all in attendance, with just the one penalty as well. After the game, Carl Lennon gave me his thoughts on an up-and-down weekend for the Moes. I have to start by saying how proud I was of our hockey community at the weekend and the tributes that were paid to Adam and everybody that's been touched by this tragedy. Um, that started for us on Saturday in Streatham and was continued at home on Sunday against Slough. The clubs have very quickly mobilised the protection of players um, and all of those players wore net guards across the weekend that at least played in the fixtures we had. And... Um, that was you know, very respectful of the, the situation that we find ourselves in. I was personally extremely grateful for that as a, as a coach. It gives us a, a great peace of mind when we, when we play any games. When it comes to the games itself, um, on Saturday, I thought we started reasonably well, but we very quickly found ourselves down um, three goals. And I was myself quite animated and unhappy by... The, the manner of which those goals were conceded, I thought on a couple of occasions, at least during that period, that the play would have been stopped for a, a puck hitting the goalie in the in the mask, and it wasn't. And Streatham duly <laughs> finished very close or not far off after those situations, and that put us on the back foot. I then took a, a silly and needless uh, misconduct penalty on the bench, which gave them a power play and subsequently another goal on the scoreboard. And um, that gave us a very, a very much an uphill battle to to go up against for the rest of the um, rest of the game. Honestly, um, they took full advantage um, in the third, second period. They extended their lead, and I thought we were very poor. We, had, we were very limited with the opportunities we created during that period. But going into the third, I wanted to at least take something from the night and. You know, we, we sort of regathered ourselves quite well in that second period break and uh, we at least managed to put down a, a reasonable performance, got on the score sheet in the third and, and sort of tied that with them. Um, so all in all, you know, a bad day at the office, not just for the team, but for myself as well too. And um, 
of course that that was uh, sitting on us overnight before we would play Slough the next day. Going into Sunday, we had um, Saturday's mo- performance as a, a motivation for us, but not only that, we had not as a team actually ever uh, won against Slough. So, um, in the at least in the time that I've been head coach here, so I was delighted with the reaction. I thought from the start we 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 fought from the moment that whistle was blown at the beginning of the game and. Uh, the team were extremely deserving of the lead that we took at the end of the first period. The second saw us extend that lead again and what I felt was a pretty dominant period on our part. And I had warned the team that having watched that a few times uh, this season, that the third could be a problem for us purely because they're a young, energetic side and they don't know when they're beaten, which is a, a sign of a very good team. And um, despite the deficit that they had, they managed to make it uncomfortable for us. They pulled two goals back quickly in the third period that made um, for an uncomfortable situation for us. And when they got to 6-5, you start to question um, just exactly what's going to happen on, on the day. Thankfully, we managed to restore the two-goal lead and um, a little bit of back and forth between the two sides in the in the last 10 minutes of the game Um thankfully managed to see us hold on to that two-year-old lead and, and ultimately get the result that I think we were deserving of. But it's one that we could have kept control of and, and made much easier. Um, I guess that's hockey, so um, that's what happens sometimes. And uh, ultimately, I'm, I'm happy that we managed to get you know those two points out of the weekend. We now have a, a solid week of training ahead of us and uh, two huge games again. Uh, we play the Chieftains and Devils um, back-to-back. So big preparations from our part and they begin now and uh, we'll look forward to to training Tuesday night, Thursday night to get ourselves ready for for the weekend ahead. Cheers. Those results make only one change in the table then as Streatham leapfrog Chelmsford into second as the top five start to push away. Later this week, I'll be chatting with Darcy Flanagan who will be able to tell us the real difference between the top and the bottom having played both of them this weekend. Now, on to this. Hi, it's Justin Wong, Kenny Wu from the Muddy Ducks, presenting Zero Pucks Given Britain Division Player of the Week. Player of the Week then. Quite a few candidates this week with hat-tricks for Tom Saw, Tom Wilson and Travis Penny. But with three goals and two assists over the weekend, he's progressively improving week on week and has really showed the home crowd what he's all about this week. I just think he's getting better and better. Player of the Week this week is Oxford City Stars Dylan Hullaby. Now all the weekend's details are done with, we can move on to our guest for this week, Invicta Dynamo's captain, Harrison Lillis. Zero Pucks Given in partnership with Blades Belong on Your Feet and the Hockey Art Co. Welcoming Victor Dynamo's captain, Harrison Lillis. How you doing, fella? How you doing, mate? Thanks for having me on. No, you're more than welcome, mate. You're more than welcome. Bit of an up and down weekend for, for the Moes. Obviously, Saturday night was a, was a tough tough loss but a barn burner on Sunday 
Uh, yeah, a little bit disappointed with Saturday's performance. Um, yeah, felt a little bit hard done by by a few decisions in the first, and um, didn't really turn up until the third period. But our three 0 down as at first, I still thought we could get back into it. Just Stretton were good on the day, and we wasn't. Um, but last night, incredible performance by the boys. Hard work, determination, just see out that win. Hmm. And the Jets play at such a pace, don't they? That it really forces it forces the best out of other teams. I think. Yeah, I think they're the hardest team I played against this year. They put you under pressure. I think there was like four or five repetitive puck battles in the corner that I was facing, and I was definitely feeling the pace after about the fifth one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so before we get um get cracking, obviously into your your career, obviously being the captain now and the most capped player. I just obviously want to touch on, you know, the recent news and what's been going on. Um, how, how as a group of players, did you react and deal with the, the news about Adam Johnson? Not good. Not good at all. No, you sit there and you you think about the boys in the room and it, you think at first it could be potentially one of your teammates. You could be in the room before the game laughing, joking, listening to music together and then something tragic like that happens and then you think, oh, it could be me. And, um, yeah, it, it, it definitely rocked our team a little bit and uh, I think it actually showed in our performance on Saturday. I think a lot of us were a bit scared from it still. You know, it, it, weren't, it weren't nice. No, well, I spoke to Muzza last week at the teams all sort of cancelling their games and he said to me, you know, that's something that I'm thinking now of my boys, is it in their mind when they're going in for it? For a hit or something, is it in their mind? You know what could possibly happen if someone falls the wrong way. And uh, is Matty Bell in your room now, up from the Mustangs? Yeah, yeah. Well, he's um he's a two-way player, but he prioritises playing for us. Yeah. Because he got yeah. really lucky last year, didn't he? He got a, a skate blade. You know what? He was just messing around in training, went and roll around with down. mates, you know. And um, mm. yeah, I mean, it just makes you realise how bad that could have been. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's just awful, absolutely awful. I, th- I think the, the the sort of the community of fans have have come together quite well, and obviously I think all the players will be feeling the same as you've just sort of said there. You know, trying to get your head around it, thinking Jesus, that could be me. It's you know, it's like a one in a million shot of happening, but now it's happened. I think it's going to be in the forefront of everyone's mind. Yeah, awful. Not, nothing else to say. It's just mm. awful. Yeah, no. I've said earlier in the episode, and obviously I know that all you guys have paid tribute beautifully this weekend. That you know, all our thoughts are just with his family, his friends, his teammates, and everyone in the organisations at Panthers and Sheffield Steelers, because it's a yeah, truly testing time. So, but from so from the weekend, then good win Sunday against against the Jets. How do you think the season's gone so far for the most? Because it has been a little bit up up and down. Um. I think I think our biggest problem is ourselves at the minute. Um, when we're, when we're in our game, I think we can beat everyone, um, and it's just finding that consistency in our team at the minute to try and deliver every game night after night. But um, as you can see through the league, like it's never ever been so competitive, and I think it's great for the league that anyone can beat anyone on any given night. It's just going to be who's going to be the most consistent team by the looks of it. But hopefully in the next month, you'll see some people pull away a little bit and you'll see a true reflection of where everyone's at. 
in terms of wins, losses, yeah, and I think few goals. Yeah, I think everyone's kind of been a little bit inconsistent, which, as you say, has made the league look incredibly even as you look up and down it. I think the top five are kind of pulling away from the bottom three now. But, yeah, it's been yeah. such a competitive start, and so long may it, conti- long may it continue. So, the yeah, start I mean, of this season, then, um, you were given the, given the C. Yeah, with the new, the new rule. Sorry, mate, we've got a bit of a delay going on. <laughs> That's right. That's OK. Um, yeah, I mean... Um, in the back of my mind, I thought I might be receiving it, but I didn't know till um, quite late on. So I had a few messages from boys saying, are you the captain this year? And honestly, at that point, I didn't know. Um, so I just sort of waited. And then Carl sort of told me about a week or two before it got announced. It's quite funny. I kept it from my family because um, I wanted them to be surprised on the reaction. And it was quite a nice thing because um, it's an honour to obviously yeah. like play for the club as a junior, progress through the ranks, and then obviously... An absolute honour to wear it because Carl's worn the C himself and um, there's been some fantastic captains at Invicta over the years and um, he knows how much it uh, means to wear the C at Invicta and I'm, I'm, I'm over the moon to, to do that. Mm. And obviously your first game wearing it, you also broke a, a quite a hefty record as well by becoming yeah. the most captain Victor Dynamo's player. Yeah, I mean, I would have... Um, how did that I would have... I would have broken it if we'd have um, overcome Solent in the semis at Milton Keynes. Um, but uh, obviously that wasn't meant to be. We sort of fell apart at the end there. Um, and um, But in the summer, um, I had the birth of my little girl. So that was quite special because obviously she got to see, well, not that she sees that much of it, but yeah, she was present <laughs> for uh, that game for me, which is quite a lot. I had quite a few friends and family attend. Yeah, it was nice. It was nice of the club to uh, to um, receive me in that way and present me with that shirt. And uh, yeah, I'm sure I'll be putting it on the wall soon, getting it all framed up and that. Yeah, abso- absolutely. And is that, is that your first child, your daughter? Is Cameron, is it your daughter? Yeah, yeah, first one, first one, yeah. How are you finding it? Yeah, mate, she's she's perfect. Like really, really good baby. Not too much. Um, my partner Abby obviously does a fantastic job as her mum, and um, yeah, I can't wait to get home from work every day and see her. Sometimes it's a little bit hard, like missing yeah. time with her for hockey. But um, I think they both know how much hockey means to me. Yeah, it, and it you got to enjoy this bit because this is the easiest bit, especially with girls. <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm, I'm loving it at the minute, and uh, it's not too much of a problem. So <laughs> I hope that yeah, continues. Lovely. So your your junior career then was uh, down at Invicta all the way. Um, have you always played D, or have you ever been a forward man scoring some goals? Um, yeah. So when we when I first started as an under ten, um, the team uh, actually formed with Romford, and uh, we played as um, Thames Terrors, like so we had a combined team. Because uh, we didn't have mm. Victor didn't have enough players, and Romford did, and uh, the team was actually like quite well uh, kitted out. To be fair, we had um, I think it might be Courtney Grant, Stevie Woodford, JJ Pitchley, both the Bartlett brothers, um, Frankie Harvey, Billy Phillips, like, and I ended up playing at Romford for two years with them before moving back to Invicta. Mm. And, uh, yeah, I've been there after that ever since and stayed there and just kept my head down, worked hard and uh, got to where I am now. 
Yeah, certainly some names there that you've reeled off. That's like an NIHL who's who, really, going through that. Were, yeah. were you natural at it, or, or are you? have you always been a grafter? Uh, I think I'm more of a grafter than a natural. I've had to buy my time, do what I need to do to get by. And, uh, yeah, I think um, defence is definitely my strongest position, but I can probably play third line forward, dump and chase, crush the net and stuff. Mm. Um, I did it when I first broke into the Dynamos because um, they were quite strong in defence. And then, obviously, I had to sort of earn my keep. Um, so if that meant go out and fight someone to earn the coach's light and the team's respect to to try and get your place in the team, then I would do that as well. How was the um, how was the room at Invicta when you, you broke into the seniors? Because I'm assuming you were probably somewhere between 16 and 18 at the time. Uh, to be honest, um, I basically nearly did it on my own. I was like the only, uh, only one because um, Dan Scott and Aaron Connolly were playing um, a National League at the time. They might have been at Slough together or Basingstoke or Telford, mm. the pair of them. And, um, yeah, um, Zach Sullivan had just moved on to um, maybe Basingstoke or Slough. Um, so, yeah, I was like the only kid. And uh, I'd like to think I was a good rookie. I, I earned my key, done my apprenticeship, took some shit, you know. Um, but it was all in good jest, all yeah, good I banter. Saying, I bet the bounce was high. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was. Like, um, pretty much the team clown, you know. Anything goes. Yeah, it was good. It was good fun, actually. Character building, for sure. Yeah, I think that's something that, you know, a lot of people from outside might look at it and, you know, they could point the finger and say it's bullying or it's this or it's that. But like you say, I think it's it's so much character building for a young man entering a room, a room of fully grown men that you, yeah. you kind of need to take that and show you can take it. Yeah, I mean... Um... At first, you think Christ is a bit hard, but when you look at it and think, how much do I want to be here? How much do I want to make this first thing? And then you sort of work hard, listen to your coach. I mean, it might like if Kev Parrish is listening, he'll probably think, oh my God, how have I actually got into this stage? Because uh, I weren't the best at the drills at first. I used to mess all the drills up in training. Uh, it's only because the boys couldn't hear him and they used to make me go to the front of the queue, so I'd mess it up. And then... <laughs> It'd be all Harry's fault, and uh, Kev would chat at me. We'd all skate from board to board or end to end as punishment. <laughs> but yeah, it was uh, it was good fun. So yeah, the bounce was pretty high in the room then. Oh yeah, yeah, there's some definite um, unborn I mean, castables. Not all the boys. Yeah, I can't <laughs> tell you all the stories, but um, yeah, it was good. It was good. Have you um? But it's quite... on, Have you had a nickname? It's quite they... funny because um. Yeah, well, my name's Harrison, but that changed quick. It was actually when I joined the Mustangs. Um, the captain of the Mustangs now, Kevin Lake, uh, he was like, we can't be calling you Harrison. That's just too long to call mm. for the puck. So your name is now Harry. And that was it. And that's it. It's always been Harry after that. But And, and it, that, that was it. There was nothing awful, just Harry. No, no, no. It was nothing personal or awful. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm sure there is some that have uh, that were given it sort of ingested at the beginning and now they've just stuck. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, last season you had I think you had a great year for the Dynamos last year. I think the Dynamos as a squad had a superb year, um, and I, I did put you in the my team of the year from from last year. Um, I mean, particularly as well. I mean, sort of when people had asked me about it, I sort of said, well, you know, the forwards look at the stats that just does it themselves. 
But yeah. last last year, you played Chumps for 10 times. I know, I see him so much. And, won, and you won <laughs> nine. Family. You won nine out of those 10. I didn't, I, didn't expect, I didn't expect to win that many, to be honest. Um, I can't ever recall a season where we've won that many in the in the battle of the games, like in the series, as you would call it. But, mm. um, yeah, I mean, our intentions last year was, um, like, obviously, Carl spoke to me in the summer, um, sort of, I knew he was sort of speaking to the owners about getting the job and stuff like that. And the intention was just to um, restore a bit of faith back in the club because we'd gone through a horrible year the year before um, and a rebuild and just be competitive, to be honest. But, Coles won everything that there is to win uh, at this level of hockey for the Invicta Dynamos. So it's it, within him that he wants to win games. Like he, he's, he's a competitor. So as the year progressed, especially we had a big blow because we lost uh, Ruskin, Springer Hughes and Tom Saw quite early to injury. Mm. And um, we had a bit of a lull sort of in the build up to Christmas. Um, but after Christmas, we sort of turned a corner and realised that we can win quite a lot of these games here and uh, yeah, we put a few good runs together. I mean, a few defeats to Romford that we weren't necessarily happy about on paper. I felt that we were stronger than them. Um, and they're a second team or a first team in our rink. So that we should, should be winning them ones. Um, that's no disrespect to Romford. I think they've got some cracking players like TJ Anderson last year was amazing. Mm. Um, but um, yeah, so we put a run together and we found like a sort of a winning formula. And um, Stretton were out there on their own again, sort of. No one really was testing them. Solon, I think, beat them once. Uh, Chelmsford did beat them, didn't they? Last yeah, year. once, yeah. But uh, everything was on that cup final. Like, that's all we was working towards. These wins are all counting towards that cup final. And there was no way we was losing that game. Them, or them games, them two games. No, it was two great legs, really, to be fair. It was a great final um, and quite a worthy one for how the two teams have done in the season of... But I think obviously it was kind of blurred because Streatham, you know, didn't add up properly at the start and played Van Yerantanov when he yeah. was banned. So that obviously that skewed it slightly. But yeah, two cracking yeah. games. Yeah. And I spoke to Carl just before the final. And, yeah. and, he, and he kind of obviously didn't let out any game plan, but just sort of said, you know, how he's got you guys focused on winning and focused on winning the small battles to sort of contribute to the big picture. Yeah. I mean, we was winding Richard Harris up and saying, you've got to be the top scorer in the cup, mate, because uh, he was doing really well. Um, Obviously, I was winding Stanley up, um, saying, you should be in the NHL and you're not even cutting it in IHL one, you know. (laughs) But yeah, it was just good banter in the room, good team chemistry. And we were so well prepared for it. Like, there was nothing that was going to stop us winning them games, especially with the, there was a few games against Chelmsford before. Mm. And we managed to win them as well. So we had all the confidence going into that, knowing we can produce a result here. Yeah, I think we had, it was, there, was a, there was a double header, I think, wasn't there? Like a week or two before the final. So we played each other like four times in two yeah, weeks. Yeah. It, was, it was crazy. Um, and then obviously, yeah. then you made, made a, the playoffs was... last year. Um, yeah. And that, that second semi-final of the playoffs is cursed, isn't it? There's all sorts of crazy stuff that goes on in that. Yeah, I just, um, I, I, I felt that uh, we scored a goal to get that extra goal lead. I mean, I've been 4-1. I think it was three. Um, it was y- Yuri got the third one quite late. No, there was a goal that was uh, not given that we felt went in. 
Oh, um, yes, I remember, I remember. Yeah, so if that, if that had counted, maybe. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't want to blame the refs. It was our own doing. Um, we just imploded. I mean, I was on for that last sort of thing. I mean, I, I must have blocked two, three shots. But where I wasn't getting any stick on it, it was just bouncing to a solid stick for another shot. Yeah, and, they had, I yeah they had six was, forwards on, didn't they? Yes. Yeah, and it didn't help with whatever few seconds left. Then Husker gets that five-minute major, which means that we're playing four minutes and 57 seconds of overtime, um, four on three. Mm. Um, yeah, it was... Yeah. So you're already playing the whole of overtime on a penalty kill after you played like, a 60-minute game. Um, yeah, and we just imploded... Like, it obviously wasn't meant to be. But I'm, I'm frustrated a little bit because I think we would have pushed Streatham all the way in that, in that final. Yeah, I that, think that, that I, would have been a good that, game, I think. Yeah, we wouldn't have backed down from anything. We would have got stuck in. And, um, yeah, I think we would have given them a good game. Yeah. So, moving forward then with your your hockey career, do you see yourself sort of just staying at Invicta all the way through, seeing how far the club can go? Yeah, my stage in life now. Yeah, I, I can't see myself moving anywhere else, and unless there's like something drastic, like change of league or something like that, and I'm maybe not good enough, or or team has to start again. Yeah, I'll probably stay here now. Like I know the club inside out, and um, I have the record for the games now. So yeah, part of the furniture now, aren't you? Yeah, I've got to keep building on it so no one catches me. <laughs> <laughs> So away from hockey, then you do a, you do a bit of DJing. Yeah, it's, which, um, which it's might be a, playing it down slightly. Is it just a hobby? Yeah, it's just a hobby. Like ice hockey is like my passion. Um, I, I love uh, my dance music, like my house music and stuff. Um, and uh, yeah, I had a friend who was a DJ that sort of said, like he was quite a successful DJ. I used to go on tour with him and stuff, and um, we'd uh, I'd go to the club and I'd be in the booth with him and stuff and. I'd be saying to him to the D, like the DJ before we be playing, and I'd be like, "I love this tune," and, and he said, "I don't even know what it is. How do you know what it is?" I, said, I just love the music. He said, "Why don't you start DJing?" So I, I got a set of decks, started practicing one summer, but um, obviously playing Saturday Sundays doesn't give much time for uh, for that. Um, but yeah, if I can play a few tunes every now and then in a the club, then hmm. that's cool. As you DJed your own thirtieth birthday last couple of weeks back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, obviously I've got my own deck. And, and my set up I had a festival theme 30th um, a lot of the boys come as well from the team uh, a lot of friends and family uh, it was festival themed and uh, my friends who DJ as well they played early on and then I just played the last sort of hour and a half two hours yeah yeah that's great good fun we have to see what Harvey Briggs does because I think he plays and then he DJs at like three in the morning somewhere mate I've been there I've been there but uh, I've had a chat with Harvey Harvey knows the deal yeah but uh my 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 theory on it is um you got to go and produce if you want to get to that next level in the DJing game and good luck to Harvey if he wants to go and do that or if he wants to play hockey but my passion's hockey first and DJing second so it's up to Harvey what he wants to do next but yeah fair play to him getting the sets he's he's a good DJ and uh, good luck to him yeah we have spoke online actually he's going to come on at some point and uh, and, and talk about hockey and and DJing obviously. 
because he's he keeps mentioning me in his lives when he goes live doing his DJ work, and I'm, I'm looking, <laughs> I get and, and, shout out the Invicta Dynamos and that. Yeah, I, <laughs> I I open it and I'm like, I, I mean I'm a bit of a metalhead really. I open it and I'm like, I have no idea what that song is. I'm like nearly forty years old. I'm looking at it. I don't know what that is. <laughs> yeah, he um he uh he celebrated in front of our bench um after uh, scoring a goal the other week and um. It was actually quite good that, uh, well, Ben Painter told him off straight away. Otherwise, I think there'd have been a bit of a bit of an uproar. Yeah. Um, so straight away the next day, he's online. I think he might be on his ironing board. And I commented, I said, talk to me about celebrating in front of our bench. <laughs> <laughs> he's oh, like, got... oh, leave it out, leave it out. I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> you got to love yeah, that cool banter amongst, amongst the teammates. In, in the sort of the NIHL one, do you sometimes take on a little bit of a, a pantomime villain role? Where it's, I've never really subscribed to to tribalism. I, you know, I, I support my team, I follow my team, and you know, and I enjoy it. But I don't really go, you know, down the route of saying, oh, well, we don't like him and we don't like them. I just enjoy the game being played quite well. But how does that feel sometimes being sort of portrayed as the pantomime villain? Uh, personally, like I, I don't, I don't really get. It. I wouldn't call myself um, maybe back it back a few years ago when I weren't really cementing a place in a team weren't really playing many minutes I would do whatever I could to draw attention to myself to get more ice time that meant going out fighting or uh cross-checking someone then yeah I would have done it years ago to Mm. draw attention to myself um to try and get a jump for my team because that's what I am just a team player um but as the years have gone on and I've sort of earned my spot in the team I play quite regular and um yeah especially with the rules now the way the league is you you won't get away with anything so if if you're if you're doing dirty stuff, then you gotta expect to be suspended, like because it's all on video. Yeah, I was and, gonna uh, come on to that. Forget that. Yeah, because it's so um, it has to be video, doesn't it? Yeah, because uh, they need to look back at it should there be an issue. And there has been some yeah. big big bans handed out already this season. One of which I spoke earlier has actually been kind of overturned um, with Darcy yeah, Flanagan. I mean. Some of them, um, yeah, completely agree with, yeah, that they're good. Um, and, um, yeah, I think the Oxford one was a bit harsh. Mm. Um, like, the guy wasn't hurt. They went straight into a scrap after. It made no sense to me. If anything, it was a two on the play. Um, but then uh, I've seen some other ones that are a bit like, oh, you shouldn't hit him there. He's vulnerable, you know. Um, but, yeah, I, I can hand on heart say that, 99% of players, when they play, they don't go out with intent to injure. Yeah. Um, well, I don't anyway. Um, so if if anything, like, well, if someone was to get injured, um, probably after the game, uh, I send a text to that player, I find their number from someone in the league and just hope they're okay and send them a get well soon because um, it's just the way I am. Yeah. Well, you all, and you all want to play, don't you? When you're injured, you can't play. So. No, exactly. And people have got jobs and stuff. Uh, it's not a professional like enough to um quit your day job so um yeah i um yeah i mean when i um accidentally um broke grant bartlett's leg um sent him a text straight after um complete accident didn't mean to do it um yeah and then that's it really yeah no that's that's what measure of the man mate that's you know shows just good character yeah i mean i i mean i didn't mean to do it you can't do much else um Move on. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. With the um, so you started at under tens with the Thames Terriers. What got you into it? Was it having the rink locally, or was it? Did you uh, 
Something else. Uh, you're going to love this one. Mighty Ducks. Uh, you're from the film The Mighty Ducks, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I loved it. Absolutely loved it. Um, yeah, I watched that um, and then said to my dad, like, I want to play ice hockey. So we went up to the, the local rink, which is only around the corner. Um, yeah, and started uh, doing my skating lessons. You had to get, uh, I think it was like one to ten, and you had to get to level four to play tens, level six to play under twelves. So I got that in the first year, joined the team, and then a year later, uh, trialed for South East under elevens, got in that, and just then kept progressing. Yeah. Yeah. Did they still years. do the co- did they still do the conferences for the younger younger players? No, no, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I mean, I don't understand why they're not doing it anymore, but. Um, yeah, it was it was great. I mean, sometimes it could be a little bit political because um, Invicta haven't always had an A-league team, especially in my time. So with some of my times playing B-league, and you look at it, I mean, there's some every team when you look at juniors, it's who's got the best kid, like who's mm. going to win. Um, but uh, yeah, some quality players that probably play for uh, less successful clubs that probably didn't get a look in because their club wasn't performing. But as a player. They're really good. But then when you get to senior, it all levels out because if you're good enough, you, you will come through. Yeah. I, was, uh, I, I thought it was fair. I asked the question about the conference, but I know full well they don't do it because they did the draft this year, didn't they? Where they picked... Um, yeah, they changed like, it. I'm not yeah, sure how that Well, it seems to... I mean, the, the British lads that have gone abroad in the last 12 months, it seems to have worked because they've done quite well. I know the, the English lads that went to Quebec got to the semi-finals. There's a, a British yeah. Select team out in Chicago at the moment that are doing really good things. Yeah. So there's um yeah I think it certainly seems to be working and it's I think if the sport can get a little bit more investment and start really progressing the youth because as I've said with some of the some of the girls that play with the GB or I spoke with um Faye Andrews and Lucy Spolton a couple of weeks ago I think it's got to make yeah. the Olympics isn't it if G, if the GB teams make the Olympics that's going to heighten some more interest. 100%, 100%. I think it's just about, um, so I think British ice hockey is in a, a better place um, than it's ever been. Um, I think that comes from, so when I was coaching, it was um, someone's dad sometimes mm. who was just taking on the team, learn hockey through a book, um, teaching us. I mean, without these people, you wouldn't be playing. So you have to be respectful and grateful for that. But when I look at the junior system now, like especially in Victor, um, there's some ex-players that were top, top, top players and uh, I wouldn't mind being coached by them now. Like uh, Some of them, I see them on the sessions and the things they teach and I go, show me that, teach me that because I, I could use that in my game as well. Yeah. So, yeah, it's in good hands now. Um, yeah, all about getting on the ice as many times as possible because when we was growing up, we probably skated once a week for an hour and now uh, I think the juniors, they might um, train up, train down, twice a week so that's an extra three hours a week yeah so that's four hours on the ice that's going to make all the difference and then you've got facilities like ozone and stuff like that which allow extra ice time but again it all comes down to um if your parents can financially support you through that um because not everyone lives next door to ozone or in that catchment area i mean down in victor i mean the next closest rinks like romford or chelmsford and that's still an hour's drive yeah so you're looking at petrol costs toll uh, probably have something to eat that night as well because you're out the house. So it'll all add up on your on your family. Um, so it depends how much sacrifice they're willing to put in to get you to that next level as well. Yeah, that's that's a massive thing, isn't it? I think 
you know, you see some of these guys, like especially like brothers and stuff that are coming through, and you think, Jesus, the cost and everything that the family puts into yeah. getting that done. It's um, but that's where I think if the say if the sport could yeah, grow a little bit, down yeah, yeah, if the sport could grow a little bit and get a little bit more funding, I think I'm sure it could help with that and get you know more youngsters into it. So I was going to ask you about other sports, but I think in the blurred background, I can see a West Ham shirt on the wall there. Yeah, yeah, I'm a West Ham supporter, yeah. Yeah, did you get up there um, often? Yeah, uh, well, I'll play a like, So training Tuesday, Thursday, game Saturday and Sunday. So I went last uh, Wednesday night to the Arsenal game where we won 3-1. Hmm. Um, yeah, family season ticket holders. So um, I go when I can. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's obviously yeah, helpful like, now you've got like European football. football. You can get a, yeah, get to yeah, a few yeah. more oh, games now. It's a light for that again. Yeah, I mean, Champions of Europe, we know what we are. <laughs> I could think of a few uh, other London-based teams who are going to find that more annoying than funny. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, mate, thank you so much for your time. I've really enjoyed chatting to you on the podcast. It's been great to get you on. Uh, I've loved having players from the other teams on and really getting a little bit more of an insight across the whole league yeah i've loved it thank you no worries mate take uh, take care and i'll speak to you soon cheers thank you a massive thank you to harrison lillis for joining me on the podcast we've been speaking online for a while and we've just managed to get it over the line really enjoyed that chat with him and always an interesting insight from other teams in the league Fixtures for next week then, Harris and Harrison and the Invicta Dynamos will be travelling to Chelmsford on Saturday, November the 11th for a 5.30 face-off at the Riverside. Also on that Saturday, a return of the John Cartwright Trophy as the Oxford City Stars head to the Thunderdome for a 7pm face-off against the Milton Keynes Thunder. On the Sunday in the British Division, Romford Buccaneers host the Milton Keynes Thunder looking to avenge their defeat at the Thunderdome in September in a 5.15 face-off at the Sapphire. Invicta Dynamos host the Solid Devils at Planet Ice Gillingham for a 5.45 face-off, and the Oxpens sees Chumpsford Chieftains head to the Oxford City Stars for a 6.15 face-off, and the High Road in Streatham sees the Red Hawks host the High Flying Slough Jets at 6.45. What a game that is going to be. And that is episode 51 in the books. A huge thank you to everyone for listening. For the fans that participated in the tribute video for, video for Adam Johnson, a huge thank you to the coaches for providing their exclusive coaches' thoughts, and a massive thank you to my guest, Harrison Lillis. There may well be an extra episode popping up this week, so keep your eyes on the social medias for those, and there will be a Zero Pucks Given Bobble Hat giveaway on Instagram this week, so check that out if you would like to win a ZPG Bobble Hat. Remember, you can follow ZPG on Facebook, Instagram, X, TikTok, Snapchat, and Threads, Please subscribe on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Amazon Music and get in touch if there's anything that you would like to hear or see in the podcast. Either DM on the socials or email zeropucksgivenpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and I'll see you next time. Sports Social Podcast Network.